This is the Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. Okay, sorry about the delay, you guys. Um, I uh, I wanted you to think that I had more important things going on. Oh, no worries. <laughs> um, which I kind of did, man. I was farming tonight. I I was hooking up the my irrigation system so I can get some grass grown for my llamas. And, yeah, and it's so. And is so often the case when you work on irrigation, it starts raining. Yeah, especially right? in the spring. Yeah. Well, we haven't gotten rain in weeks. I'm like, me working on my irrigation, it's like, I'm like the storm bringer. You know, mm. I start yeah. doing that and sure enough. And right now, it looks like we're going to get one humdinger of a storm. It's getting pretty violent outside. So, Laura, where do you live? North central Idaho. Have you always lived there? No, I've lived here for like the last two and a half years. My husband and I bought a house here and he's lived here for probably six years. But I grew up in Palouse, Washington, which is like two hours from here. But I spent most of my like from the time I was about eight years old on up in this area. Fishing and hunting and everything. So it's familiar. Yeah. So you. You guys lived apart for a time. Um, so my husband and I, we just got married two years ago and I met him four years ago. Oh, okay. You yeah. have four kids. Yeah, that's from a previous marriage. I was married for seven years before I met my now husband, Jace. Okay, gotcha. So. How old are your kids? Um, Youngest is six, eight, 10, and 11. <laughs> Oh, you're in the thick of it then. Yeah. yeah. It's either like beautiful, perfect family time, or it's like a gladiator arena and they're all trying to kill each other. <laughs> yeah. I can picture it. Yeah. Uh, I, can I can picture it, though it takes some amount of imagination on my part because I have zero children. Yeah. Um, Matt, you got, Matt, you have one kid. I have one with one on the way. Oh, uh, congratulations. Uh, yeah, you. Matt and I have never met in person. In person. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, Hopefully, I guess we're going to make that uh, we're going to make that a thing. Yeah. So, Matt and I have been working on this little hunt quietly movement thing together for nigh on a, a year, right? Yeah, since uh, June of last year, so we're coming up on on a year now and there's several others of us several other of us involved as well and none of us have ever met although i didn't meet phil lure this guy that's building a rebuilding our website now oh awesome um, in, why don't you why in don't you idaho in, yeah in idaho yeah i was at how did you know that what i, said, I, I, said, I met phil lure in idaho oh okay yeah down south. I went over or? there. I went over there for a conference, and I met him in 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 Boise. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, the Society for Range Management conference a couple months ago. 
it's like an annual conference where a bunch of academics to get get together and give talks about grasslands. Was that for your work? Because you're mm-hmm. a, um, I'm a scientist. I'm a research scientist. Yeah. I'm a research ecologist. Yeah. Yeah, because you were saying you don't um, reestablish habitat, but you try to make it better than it is, right? For work, it was screwed up area where we take screwed up areas and try to try to rehabilitate them to some extent as best as we can, and that's one component of what I do. Uh, right now, um, every day I'm working on this project, trying to predict the future of cheatgrass and annual brome invasions, um, how they're being impacted by climate change. So that'd be another okay. kind of thing I would work on. I also yeah. work on. Uh, I also work on the CRP project a lot, which is you know that pro- do you know that program, Laura? A little bit. There is all quite a bit of it in Washington when I lived there. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you guys know, ever heard of the the RISA framework? No, I haven't. When um, uh, it's a it's a there's this guy I can't remember his name right off, but that guy I hate that when I can't remember people's names and I'm talking about on podcast, but. He, oh, I'm going to be able to find this because I just sent this to my wife. His name is Boseo, B-O-S-E-O. And he is the leader of the debate team for Harvard. I think he still is. I don't know. Maybe he's not, but he was. And that's his framework. And for deciding whether to engage in a mm-hmm. in a debate, yeah, and it it's an acronym. Obviously, it's like the the is the R is is it is the thing that to be debated a real difference? Yeah, or is it just like a superficial? difference of opinion that once you start to do some distinction mongering, you realize that there's no real disagreement. And then um, the next one, the I is, I just learned this last night. So I'm trying to, then the next, the I is, um, oh, is it important? You know, enough to debate mm-hmm. whether, you know, if it's like, if it's just some, trivial minor thing got I got you kind of deal and then the s is um oh this is this is what I really like is is it specific enough like can you really drill down into one thing that you potentially disagree on yeah and I love that. I love that because I think that's the crux of a lot of what sends a lot of debates off the rails uh, is when people are talking past each other. And then the final one, which I also really like, is so the A is a line. Are you and your interlocutor trying to achieve the same objective? Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I have become increasingly reluctant to record episodes with with hunting personalities because I I detect an alignment issue where I just end up with this sneaking suspicion that I can't get around that the person I'm talking to would be saying something completely different if they were getting paid some other some other way through some other means mm-hmm. you know yeah um but you know you're kind of special i've been looking at i was spent some time with your with your instagram account and and uh you know you're you you're you what your your instagram account on on one level it it's emblematic of a lot of the things that drive my concerns. But on the other hand, you obviously have a lot of passion and you have your concerns. You have a, a lot of concerns yourself. Yeah. Like I watch your videos about like you often rail on what you call Insta hunters and Insta huntresses. Mm-hmm. And I guess my my first question would be what what differentiates you from from them the women on social media that you take issue with i think one of the main things is that if you took away social media and the platforms where strangers can be pushed in front of millions of other strangers faces I would still be doing exactly what I am doing regardless. Like on my Instagram, I'm just sharing my life like as I'm living it. My husband and I truly spend every free minute out there hunting, fishing and trapping for the pure love of it. And I see in my opinion a lot of men and women who are seeing hunting becoming this like popular thing to do. It's like the new cool thing to become a hunter. And they're getting all the like, they find their favorite hunter celebrity, whoever that may be. And they go and they buy all the products that they're selling because that's what that person has. And they're going out and they're doing it for the wrong reasons. And a lot of these men and women are also trying to basically get a free ride, in my opinion, through life. Push them being this big hunter or huntress or whatever so that they can get free opportunities, free hunts, free products, get paid to promote these companies that they don't actually believe in. And I absolutely refuse and just me personally to accept money or promotions from anybody. Um, oh, so offered- you you don't you don't accept free stuff from folks? No. Oh no, nope. that's cool. Um, 
Yeah, I don't I don't accept anything. I've had people gift me some things other companies that I've sent things in return for them because I'm a small business owner myself. Um but like someone like if I I've had opportunities where people will say, "Oh, hey, like I we really like your page and we have this product and we'd really like to just send you some free gear and if you just take a picture in it and tag us um like you could have all this free stuff or like we'll send you some gear and then for each video we'll pay you for promoting our video and i just i just personally don't want to do that for one i'm not going to promote anything i don't believe in i'm not going to just say hey guys like go get the best new vinyl harness because like go to wherever this is the best new thing just because someone sent it to me for free and I don't actually like it it's not something I truly picked myself I'm just saying this is great because I got for free um and also for me being a business owner myself I don't give anybody promos or free things like I will occasionally give people things just to be a kind, good, small business person, owner. But I wouldn't want, like, I, for me, it's just, I would never want someone to say, oh, I love this jewelry. Like, this is great. Go buy, go buy Laura. Just because I sent her, a, like, this lady a free necklace. And she's only saying this because I'm paying her to say it. Like, I want someone to say they love my stuff because they love my stuff. And for no other reason other than they like me as a person. And love my product. And I just really wish that other other businesses, whether they're in the hunting industry or whatever, would just have, uh, I don't want to say have more pride, but put more value on themselves and just not have to sell out themselves almost to these big personalities only because they look good and they have the following to push their products. Like, yeah, I just... I don't stand for that. And I see a lot of other hunters in the industry doing this. And I just won't join in on that. And one last thing, because I could go on, honestly, with the Insta Huntress deal, one thing that drives me nuts is the like sexualization of these younger uh, women hunters who really are just kind of getting into it. They're new to hunting or newer. And they're pushing like a sexualized look as a hunter. And I just, I don't like that at all. It's not to say that she can't dress up and go have a date night or whatever and dress feminine. But like when they bring it into hunting, I just think that's very distasteful. And I personally like been judged as a woman hunter because some men, some people will put that stereotype, which you'll never escape stereotypes, but like they're not helping whatsoever. So yeah, I would say that's the difference between me and the fact that, yeah, I just, I do try to come off hundred percent myself on my Instagram. That is really hard to do because it's still just Instagram and you're only showing certain bits of yourself here and there, but yeah, I always speak my mind on the things I really care about and not 
jump on the back bandwagon of whatever is popular and play this popularity contest that's going on in the hunting industry amongst all these hunters. What what, what are you trying what are you trying to accomplish by showing people your uh Laura's outdoor life? I'm not really honestly I'm not really trying to I'm not trying to really accomplish anything. I'm just on there to share my true love and enjoyment of living a life as a hunter, a mother, and taking in one of the last pure things you can do in this world. And that's hunting and fishing and just being out there away from all the noise and doing it with people you care about most. Uh, Yeah, maybe that's not the right way to ask it. It's like, it comes at some cost. I mean, when you catch a fish or shoot a bear, you, instead of having it be this like personal experience that you enjoy in this quiet way, you have to record a video about it. So like, it's not like it's the, it's not like it's a, it's uh, something your account is something that doesn't require work and effort and sacrifice sacrifice of like these profoundly spiritual, I think spiritual moments where you've just taken a life. So there's nothing you're, there's nothing you're trying to make people think differently about or, or um, say about yourself like to others with it? Well, like people are going to take whatever they think from you regardless. And I do try to present my, I'm, if you go look at my Instagram and you do see the moments where maybe I've just harvested something, you can see exactly how I'm feeling in that moment. And I don't, I, yeah, I take videos here and there and everything. Like I just posted the story of how I just got my last bear recently. And I think I took four minutes while I was standing before I went down to it, just to explain that extremely powerful moment. But when I was out there, just as an example, like I really don't spend that much time worrying about videoing. I never have had a kill shot videoed. I've never had a stock videoed. My husband's white tail he shot this year. I don't have any videos from that because especially when I'm out with really with, with if I'm out with somebody else, I rarely touch my phone. Maybe I'll get a couple pictures or something, but I'm not worried about videoing my hunt. I'll video a moment or something that takes less than a minute. And then I'll cut it down later, maybe. But the amount of time my phone is in my hand while I'm outdoors is really, really tiny. It's not like a lot of people who are trying to video a hunt on YouTube who have the camera rolling literally every minute they're out there and are super concerned with getting their kill shot on and they're waiting and they miss opportunities because they're like, is it on? Is it rolling? Are you on it? Like, my husband and I don't even bother trying to video any of our hunts because that for us personally, that would take away from our raw experience of being out there. Once the animal's down and it's all said and done, I've taken like 
take a video of me walking up to it. But I turned my phone off after maybe a minute or less total. And I sit there and I take it in. For me, having my phone out and taking a couple little blips of videos doesn't take away the moment for myself. Like it really might for you. Like if you even thought about taking out your phone and videoing, like that might take away from your whole experience. But for me, it's it hasn't had that effect. And I would never let videoing anything in the outdoors become a priority of why I'm even out there. So been a lot of times yeah. where I forgot my phone in the car or my phone died and I'm not losing my mind because I don't have, I can't take a picture of something or I can't video something. It's just like, for me, it's just a little extra something I get to take and have memory. I share it with everybody because I get special, but I still have those for myself at the end of the day as well. So. Yeah. It just seems very like a like a very consequential thing to do to show everybody willing to look a dead ant like you what you've shot. Yeah. So uh, it it just seems like something you're the only person I've ever met that st- says that there's it's just an impulse to do it that there's not anything that you're trying to um, it's not educate people about or or um anything you're trying to gain for yourself or sell products or build your business no it's just like it's it's i and this is a like slightly different because i do sell like my art but it's kind of maybe a similar thing where it's like i work really hard and i pour my soul into my art and when I finish something and I'm very proud of it and it's accomplishment, I share it. Like if I sell it, that's great. But it's like, I'm sharing something I'm proud of and it's great. Like I'm not trying to be famous. I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to be anything other than showing how I live my life in these special moments. That's it. Like, I I don't know, it's, I don't have any other motive other than just sharing these special things that I do. So if someone finished, like, say someone goes and runs a Spartan race, and they took seventh place when the year before they took 50th place, and they share that memory, it's like they're proud of it, and they're sharing it just for the fact that they're sharing this cool thing that they did. Not trying to get not trying to get sponsors for gear for being an athlete or nothing. They're just sharing something that they do. Yeah. And you know, you and I are going to agree about how that stuff, like doing it for likes and fame and money and gear is, is, is perverse. Uh, It's just that I, I also think any of it is, has a negative impact on people that, don't show any of it like i think it i think that the the outward facing approach to hunting on social media jacks up the price of access and um turns hunting into a popularity contest yeah i i I agree hunting is hunting has changed in in a 
in a way that I never could have predicted. It's become so popular. I mean, I remember when I was like 18 and my dad would always say, and like our friends say, say, well, we're going to go hunt out here. All you got to do is just hike further than the next guy. Like all you got to do, like people are lazy. That's not the case anymore because now there's so many people going out and in these certain areas that the pressure is crazy. Like I live in Idaho. There, We have more public land than any other state in the lower 48. And we still get, there are more and more people I see every year, like doing everything, whether it's shed hunting, like waterfowl hunting, upland bird hunting, trapping is still not as popular, but I'm sure it's coming. Like spring bear. Uh, we don't live very far um, from a the Selway, and that has just blown up. You'll see out of state plates from like Tennessee and Kentucky and Oklahoma, like way far, way far away, and like turkey camps around here. And I'm like, where the hell did these people like come from? I mean, it's it's so popular, and I'm not I'm not against people wanting to hunt because it really is an amazing thing to do. But I do agree with your point that you've made before that we don't need to be recruiting new hunters. We need the qual that needs we need quality, not quantity. And I've never understood the push for getting new hunters out in the field. There's just not there's not like you said, the public access and the animals are really going to pay the price above everything. They're getting yeah. too much pressure. And yeah, I've but I think the biggest recruitment engine, one of the biggest ones, is are people with large social media followings that hunt. Yeah, I would say there are some really there are. I think I I feel that there's a difference in the people who have. I I can't really honestly think of a large platform that doesn't push for more hunters, but there are these larger celebrity hunting pages that push products. I mean, go on YouTube. Honestly, well, I'm not I, saying about products. I'm saying about the act of hunting. Oh, the like, act of hunting. Like, well, like I was saying, like if, if on, on one hand, you, it seems like you're saying that we don't need more hunters, but then I think, and maybe you disagree with this, but I'd be curious to know, I'd say the biggest thing that's causing more hunters are people like yourself with big social media followers. Like they they see you being successful. Like you're 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 a very engaging, attractive person, being successful at hunting. And I think that's the sort of thing that makes more people want to do it. And my concern is what is this doing to people that are like myself and Matt and many others that we're just quietly going about our business. No, we don't need any externalities. We're just on. I, I see I, I see what you're saying. And this is where maybe we have like a slight disagreement. I feel like sharing a picture of success is not where the harm is coming from. I, I feel like 90%, which I'm not saying Instagram and these huge hunting platforms on those social medias are not causing issues. They definitely are. But I personally feel like YouTube has been the true downfall 
to most of the hunting issues where you go on YouTube and they're telling everybody how to draw tags, where to apply. Oh, you can't get an over the, over the counter tag, elk tag in this state. You know where the best states go for that. It's here, here, and here, and here. They're telling the masses across the whole country where to go and where mm-hmm. to hunt and how to apply. And like, there are businesses that will make like they'll apply for you they'll figure out how to use your points the most beneficial way so you get drawn for them and uh like some of these other like online courses where they offer to teach you all these tools that are like they're saving these people decades of learning which i am like this might hurt a couple of my feelings like my friends feelings but I am personally against that because what happens, like we have four children. We are teaching our four children all the knowledge they need for hunting and fishing and trapping. We're raising four hunters. These these businesses, these YouTube channels, they're teaching hundreds of thousands of people all at once how to do this. And it's really hurting, in my opinion the hunting opportunities like i think i think it's the videos the how-tos teaching everyone like i said all this information like say there was a youtube video of a montana mule deer hunt where this non-resident got drawn and usually you can get drawn like every couple years maybe three years as a non-resident for general mule deer tag Five hundred thousand people saw that youtube video say a quarter of the people who watched that video applied for a Montana non-resident general tag. You now have 125,000 people the next year that are applying that never applied before. And now your odds of getting drawn are way out than usual. So I I personally believe that that is the, the bigger issue. I Like I said, I'm not denying that Instagram has problems. I just don't. I just personally don't believe that simple pictures of you with your harvest or little blippets of videos maybe here and there are causing like the maximum amount of damage. No, I agree. I agree. I don't think it's helping us, but it's not the, the, it's not, it's not helping the existing hunting community, but none of it is, but yeah, there, there's, there's worse things. I don't know. There's worse things. Yeah. Like, and, a and, shitload of people have gotten into hunting because of campaigns, I'm sure. Yeah. And and, and the thing is, and, like, and like, you know, he's doing the same sort of thing as you. He just has way more followers. Yeah. And yeah, he he's. He's a big yeah, he's a big influence. And he definitely pushes and promotes different things than I do. And it's. I don't know. I feel like I really do believe that. I'm sure we can both just go on and on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About all the things, but I I really feel like at this point, social media, Insta hunters and huntresses, YouTube, it's not going anywhere. It's we're never going to be able to shut that down. Those people, like, if if the true people who are really in it for the right reasons shut themselves down and remove themselves either from the platform or hide, then the then the only example that everyone has is 
the example that is not the good example of who hunters are and what it's all about. So it's a hard balance to find where we don't contribute to the problem, but we also don't let the people who are the bad example shine over us either. Yeah. So what would, what would be your, what's, what's the, your, how would you characterize a good example? Um, what makes somebody a, a good online hunting? Um, a good online example? example, honestly, the, the few, I feel like there's not a ton, but the few that I really truly love the most have like hardly any followers. Um, one gal, she lives up in Canada and I'm, I won't mention anyone's names because I don't know if anyone wants their names mentioned, but she lives in Canada and she's a nurse and she is a very real down to earth person. She has her own greenhouse. She goes out and she um, forages. She hunts by herself. She is a big bear hunter and she, every time she gets a bear, she shows all the things she makes with like the fat and how she utilizes the animal. She shows her love of the hunt. She shows herself hunting with her family. She doesn't hardly video anything. It's just usually pictures and then long descriptions. But I think the people who are showing a very well-rounded, pure life of them living as a hunter and just enjoying the outdoors for what it truly is. And she also advocates a lot for, uh, conservation as well and she's a part of groups and i think she is a great example of a hunter on social media um i've said in probably one of my last videos that i'm not the perfect example i have uh it's no secret that i run my mouth with uh you got a little potty mouth on you but so do I, I do i it's taking like 10 extra brain cells to like not cuss. You don't you don't need to not cuss. <laughs> yeah, but like I I we I do realize that the, um, I lose my yeah, I do realize I lose my point when I get a little carried away with the F bomb to some people. So I just I don't want my message or anything I say to be um misheard or <laughs> the fact I'm dropping F bombs every three seconds to distract from what I'm saying. But yeah, like I think people like that who are just being real genuine aren't throwing a million and a half sponsorships in people's faces aren't pushing people to do anything yet not not being uh not not uh promoting but not also like bashing anybody if they like are curious about hunting because like i said i'm not against anyone who wants to hunt I just don't think we need to be recruiting. So yeah, that would be. I, I say the same. I say the same thing. I say um, I'm not. If somebody wants to know how to hunt, I think we'd be the hunting community be being assholes to not help that person learn how to hunt. What yeah. I oppose is trying to gin up interest in hunting. Yeah, yeah, commercialize it. I don't I, think well, it's commercializing it and bringing more people into it. Yeah. When across the board, it, the, we, we are living in an era of reduced opportunity. That is yeah. the norm throughout the country is reduced things going from over the counter to draw, draw odds, declining, bag limits, declining, 
Yeah. And um, it's more and I, more things, properties leased up more and more privatization of wildlife. I look at all that and I think, why in the hell would we be trying to gin up interest in this pastime? And yeah. and I think it's it's like I just I think it's so it it's an insinue it's so rude to people that that are just hunters and have been their whole lives without all that doing all mm -hmm. that stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh -huh. And 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 the sad truth I really do believe is that it's not gonna get better. No, I, I don't I don't either. I, I don't. hate to say that because I have four kids who love to be outdoors, especially our oldest son. Um, he has it in him. Like he's already, I bet you by 15, he's going to be a better hunter than I could ever be. Like he just truly has it in his soul. And I just, I mean, we, my husband and I, we sit around and like, could literally just go nuts um, thinking about how, like what, What's the future going to be like for our kids? What oh, opportunities are they going to have? Man. They're not yeah. going to have anything. And like, well, Idaho at this rate is going to be the next Colorado where residents are going to have to draw just for a simple mule deer tag. It's yeah. coming. I'm like, it's it's coming, and it's really sad. It's yeah, it's, it's uh, tough. So you're get yeah, you're get like right now. I'm realizing as you say these things that. I, I'm starting to understand you where you're coming from, like realizing there's a lot of commonality yeah. between you and I, but I'm going to let Matt, you need to drive for a while. You haven't said a fucking thing. Uh, <laughs> I did. I had a question. I wanted to bring up a, a point. Um, from, it, it was something uh, you posted a, um, a few days ago. I don't know the exact date, but it was um, regards to, with regards to killing for content. And I do, I definitely think that we're coming across a lot of social media pages, Instagram pages where you have hunters that are shooting, harvesting way more animals than they should be for the sake of, Hey, I've got to make sure that I'm posting X amount of photos within X amount of days. Um, yeah. And I wanted to, to see what, what, where, you see like do you see like a or do you feel a pull to to post something within a few days do you think about how often you're you're posting or not posting i not really like i i i feel like i post fairly frequently but that's just because i i always have something going on like i will post my skulls when i finish them on my personal page because i mean that's a plat it's free advertisement. I really do want to share my work and I, I truly love my art. So I, it brings me a lot of joy to be able to share that with people. It is, but, it's, it's beautiful. Thank you. Really thank beautiful. you very much. So, but like with, I don't know, honestly, I'm a, the word content has always just like made my eye twitch because I, I always felt like it was silly that people are going out and creating content. Like they have to think of something to do to post online. Like, I don't know, just like be yourself. And if you like, if just share what you're doing, that's what I do. I don't know. I'm always doing something. I live a very busy life. Like I said, I've got four kids. We literally spend every free minute we have doing something outside. 
And if something I think cool or interesting happens, I'll share it. And if not, then whatever. Like, it doesn't bother me. I feel no pressure if I haven't posted in a few days, a few, like a week or whatever. It doesn't really matter to me because I'm not trying to get anywhere with Instagram. I'm just sharing for the sake of sharing. And I will say like 95% of social media is just garbage. (laughs) But I have met a handful of really amazing people through that outlet. And like I met my best friend, one of my really best friends now because of Instagram. So if I didn't share me and whatever I'm doing, I wouldn't have made those very special friendships. I wish there were a lot more people that had that mindset. Cause we, I mean, we did a, a list of a, a few of the larger hunters on social media and, and, and their, the amount of animals that they're harvesting for, for the year. And it's, it's insane. You're, you're, we're, you're having uh, people posting about making the goal to go shoot five elk within a year. Um, uh, you've got uh, people that are shooting multiple moose. You've got people that are definitely in it for the content, but also really having an impact on, uh, you know, something that you, you talked about uh, affecting the, the amount of tags that, states are going to put out or the ability to for a resident to draw their own tag to draw a tag yeah in their own yeah and i'd 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 argue the biggest negative impact of all that is that these people are they have the biggest followings out there and and they are modeling what success looks like yeah it causes everybody to want to be that that is a that is a freaking problem yeah in my mind you know we should be modeling take what you need and no more yeah and i i do i do agree with that but at the same time i will say like i the like the meat and everything is a huge part of it obviously but like Say my husband and I, like we get our tags for the years that we the year that we always get, but we have the opportunity, like either we've saved up enough money or whatever, and we get to go to like Alaska and eat shoot a caribou and have a once in a lifetime experience. And then say we got invited to go down to Florida with my family and go shoot Osceola turkeys or something. It just happens to be in the same year. Like, I'm not going to, I would, I'm not going to lie and say I wouldn't turn down those opportunities to have those experiences. Like, I'll never have the opportunity to go shoot 30 animals or something in a year. Like, well, I mean, it's I a matter of degree, definitely. But we're yeah. talking about people that are shooting 30 big game animals a year in the case of Aaron Snyder or five elk, two moose, several deer, a bear, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. In the case of John Dudley, and these are just two. I mean, this list we have has 10 or 15 different influencers on it. It's like, I, I just talk about the shit way too much. Like I say, the biggest problem with all that to me is that's what people then strive to be. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I definitely, 
I see what you're saying too. And I, I agree. If someone is going out and they're hunting under any circumstance, whether they have one tag or they have 20, if they're going out just to shoot an animal to boost their social media, that's wrong. And they shouldn't be out there hunting, period. No matter if it's like taking what they like get or not, like their own right to have that much meat or whatever. What if they were off social media and they were shooting that much? I, I like, I feel like you got to like, look, if they're off social media and they're hunting that much, like there's professional hunters, like Jim Shockey goes around the world and hunts. Like, I don't know how many animals in one year he could have shot like back in his day, but he's going around having these experiences and you do see people who go to Africa and they shoot like 12 big game animals or something in one trip, but they give the villagers all the meat. Like they don't bring any meat home. Maybe they eat like part of it or something while they're there. But I feel like that needs to be, I I do agree that that's the, I like, it's not a good model for the average hunter to be like, oh, I want to like, I'm not a good hunter or I'm not really enjoying hunting if I'm not shooting either like these massive animals and killing a million things a year. That's not realistic. That's not the average hunter. But if, like, like I said, Jim Shockey's just the one who comes to mind because I used to, I grew up watching him. Um, him, like, usually it was like a culture thing and he's giving the meat to wherever, like, tribe and people are around him, but he is shooting way more than he could ever eat or take home or anything. Yeah. So, and and, and I it, think it gets there complicated are when you bring, when you bring like Africa into the picture because it revitalizes their economy and all these other things. And there's a yeah. case to be made that it helps with conservation. But in the yeah. U.S., when the demand for elk so far outstrips the supply and you have people demonstrating on social media how they killed five, I just think that I just. Yeah, I haven't. I like I haven't seen. I, I Yeah, it's definitely an unrealistic thing to for anyone to think that that's like the standard because I just who think the hell can even get five elk tags? Greedy. It's just yeah. greedy and rude. Yeah, and but like there are there, so there are circumstances like back east where like whitetails are overrun and you can yes. get like you can get like a stupid amount of de- like doe tags and you can go out and shoot like eight deer or something crazy. Yeah. And but there are people who will go out and like shoot a bunch of deer and then go take them and donate them to the um like the food banks like food for homeless and they like butcher them and they give them out to needy families. And I think that's great. Like those animals are being managed. That's management, not gluttony. Yeah. I, okay. We, we there's there's gonna be daylight between us on that. I don't like like hunters for the hungry. I I think it it just gives people an excuse to shoot more than they need. The states where that's a big thing are states where hunting access is a huge problem. Yeah. Like if you really care about feeding the hungry or feeding, yeah, feeding, letting people have meat, well, then instead of you shooting a pile of does, how about letting a bunch of hunters on there that don't have anywhere to go and letting them shoot their own deer? Yeah, I, I can see that too. Like, I don't know enough about those states and like what their yeah. land management looks like to even like really say, like, just let them come on because I mean, out here, 
even though we have a lot of private or public land, which is an absolute blessing, um, there is quite a bit of private. And we do hunt a couple private places around here, but it's hard. Like, it's really hard to get permission to go on private property because, like, there are a lot of crappy hunters who have ruined it for for us to, like, know that we're respectful, good people, and we're not going to disrespect their property or like harass cattle or on it or anything but I would never get mad at somebody who didn't want me on their property because at the end of the day that's their property and it's their right to tell me either I can be there or not so I feel like there is a hard line when it comes to private private ground and like leased ground and getting permission on it because I can see it both ways that's one of the issues I've had with the industry um I don't, I see, I hear the argument so much uh, that there are some, there's real, uh, some poor hunter behavior. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of poor hunter behavior and it makes me very angry, Mm -hmm. but I don't hear enough people talk about how do we fix that rather than just like, let's privatize everything and keep them out. Uh, I think some of the bigger names on social media who have a voice. Um, and, you know, I, I regardless uh, of where, where you want to put yourself, uh, you have 26,000 um, followers. You have a big voice. I think we need to start showing what good behavior is. We need to call out really poor behavior. And we need some of the big names to do that. We need people with a voice to say, this isn't okay. We need to do better. And then aligning themselves with organizations. Um, I'll plug in, you know, Montana Hunters for Access that are working for, towards landowners having a relationship, a positive relationship with the, the general hunting public. Yeah, absolutely. Like my, like I said, my husband and I, we have a couple places that are private and we're the only ones who get to go there because we've built a respectful, kind relationship with the landowners. And it takes a lot of work and you got to really earn trust to these people. And like, I, I definitely agree on calling out bad behavior in the hunting community because it is nobody wants to step on anyone's toes in the hunting industry and it just drives me nuts like that's oh, they why won't take, we're here they will not take a tough stand on anything i know it's a it's a shame because no they're, they're, they're the supposed of, leaders but they will not take a tough stand on yeah anything. because no one wants to risk losing their promo and sponsorships and yeah, free right. hunts and stuff. And I'm like, I don't have any of that. So I'll just say yeah. whatever the fuck I feel uh, like. It's <laughs> uh, cool. That's cool. It's cool that you've noticed that. It yeah. took me a long time to piece that together that it's all rainbows and unicorns as far as yep. the hunting slips go. Like there's yep. no problems here, you know? Yeah. And we, um, we don't want to get in any drama. We don't yeah, want to start yeah, any yeah. things. Yeah. It's like, I don't like drama either. I'm the most could give it like heck less with drama and dealing with annoying bull crap. But like, I, I do feel like 
we're in this position because no one said anything. Like no one said, um, it's like a bunch of kids. Like when your kids misbehave or something, or say like your best friend, like my best friend, I've said this several times on my page too. My best friend was doing something wrong or acting in a way that I felt was immoral. I would straight up tell my best friend what they're doing and why it's wrong. And because I care. Because you care. When you don't care, that's where the problems happen and you keep your mouth shut. And the problems only escalate from there to where it gets so big that even when you speak up, like by the time you say something, it's way too late. So yeah. it's, like I said, it's, it's uh, I don't want to be doom and gloom, but it's, it's kind of a disheartening thing to see where it's at. And look ahead into the future, which as a mother of four, I do constantly. And uh, there's really only so much we can do. And I feel like at this point, calling out really, really poor behavior is necessary by everybody, whether they have two followers or 200,000. And supporting the people that are truly good, real conservation ethical hunters like who really mean well and not supporting not not liking not following the people who are the serious problems not supporting the businesses who support those people and just not giving them any attention no money no attention it's just like bud light (laughs) leave them alone just don't even give them any of your nothing from you and that will have its own impact. We just need more people to get on board with that mindset and be willing to do that and not cater to feelings <laughs> so much. Like, I think it's important to, like, to be considerate of real feelings, but like, call it like it's it, call it like it is, and don't be afraid to upset people who don't like to hear the truth. Yeah. What do you think the biggest threats to hunting are? I mean, I you think- obviously have a sense that there are threats and you're pessimistic about the future of hunting for your kids. Yeah, I um, think I really do feel like the I feel like YouTube, not all not all of like the hunting videos on YouTube are the issue. I feel like the big, big issue is the people who are going on YouTube and sitting down with their whiteboard behind them and walking step by step on where you can go hunt and here, and this is what you need. And like all, like I said earlier, fast track teaching mass amounts of hunters to go here for success and just putting all this pressure, like, yeah. And the like, yeah, I think that's the huge problem right now, the how to's and all the teaching the masses how to hunt and apply for tags and where to go because it's flooding Idaho. It's flooding Montana more than it's ever been. Like, I think, I think that is the biggest problem at the moment. There are a ton of problems. Like there are so many issues, but I feel like if we're going to make any bit of a difference, we need to pick one, maybe two, and really put our efforts into a more focused thing first, rather than just being like scattering it and trying to fight this battle, this little battle and this here and this and that and that 
it needs to be more focused on one thing. Yeah. It's it's yeah. hard. It's a hard thing. I think another thing too is uh like every year I will bead and donate a skull to an organization that I really feel like is doing good either to like conservation or whatever. And I donate one to the foundation for wildlife management every year. It's the like wolf hunting group. They help pay hunters to harvest wolves, which living in Idaho and hunting, like being here and hunting here ever since I was 10 years old. um, I've seen firsthand the, the damage that they have done. So that's just one organization that I donate to. And I think we, if we all really pick one that is doing true, true work to help us, that's another way that we can make a difference. So like you're, you were talking about the access. Hunters for access. Yeah. Yes. Like that. Like, I think if you had a banquet for that and you were able to raise money, like, I think that's the change we can do right now it's not a lot that we can do at this point but i think we could do something yeah 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 i I don't i think that's something i think about a lot like i don't i i i often say that there's never been a period in my life where hunting has gotten better in the sense of better opportunity like less crowding um more access yeah uh, more higher odds of drawing a tag there yeah, better are, animals yeah there's it's just always down 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 so yeah. the logical logical endpoint from that if you extrapolate it, is this just gonna be shit like not worth doing <laughs> or you pay a bunch of money to do it in which case in my from my perspective it's not even awning anymore no, it's just a rich man's game at that point. Yeah. So, like, it, yeah, and I like that you have some ideas about what what, what things things you could chip away at. Yeah. I, and I've staked my claim on, well, I've staked my claim on. One of them is we need to work on access. So that's the, the Montana Hunters for Access thing. That's one thing it would take to turn the ship around. I don't think we will, but like I say, so uh, the, that's what the Montana Hunters for Access. Now it's becoming national. It's becoming Hunters for Access. That's one. The other one is um, we'd have to get the hunting nonprofits to look out for the sportsmen and not the hunting industry. And then we'd have to s- somehow get the hunting industry to stop motherfucking us. Yeah. I just... I, th- I think one of the things I worry about the most, like I said, I've talked about my worry for my children's future of hunting, but I really do worry about the animals. Like mm. we love hunting and everything, but honestly, most of our hunts, like we'll go out, I'll go out, say in the fall, say I'll hunt 30 days in that span of like, September to November, whatever, like a total of 30 days, whether it's like a couple hours on this day or like a half day here, whatever. So I only shoot one animal in those 30 days, but I'm in the field that every, like the 29 other days where I didn't shoot anything, but I'm out there enjoying 
the blessing to be able to be there, experience whatever other wildlife I see and take it all in. And like my area got hit really hard with EHD two summers ago. And all there used to be white tails everywhere. Like they'll be back. They'll be back. (laughs) Yeah, 10 years from now, we still in two years. We've only seen four white tails behind our house, and we used to have fifty, oh. literally, behind our it's house. It's wild where I live. You get a we get a nasty EHD outbreak every two or three years. It's oh. crazy how quick they're back. Like it can't be explained by just simply by reproduction. No, They've got to be I, moving in from other areas. You know. Yeah, and like where I'm going with this is that. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, oh no, no, no. It's okay. But like, I mean, it it just went from like. It's kind of like a little flippant of how I'm like a hundred, like however many years ago when the hunting was great here, you know, elk were everywhere before the wolves were introduced. We had the largest elk herd in the country and then they're more gone. than Colorado. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was more than Colorado. We had the largest elk herd in the country at one point. Oh yeah. And there was, pro- I guess there's, that's a distinction. You know, like Colorado probably had more elk and still has more elk. But you had the biggest yeah. elk. Herd. herd. Yeah. yeah. But like what makes so, a herd a herd? I don't know. I, I don't know that much details. But like I think about how many deer we see. And then I think about how like there's gonna be less and less and less animals as time goes on with the amount of pressure that they get. And not from EHD, obviously, but like I'm just saying, like we went from seeing a bunch to just a handful, which is like the pressure of the the hunters that are coming in here and the success rate and how many tags they give out, which I think Idaho gives out too many tags. <laughs> like, I don't think they should be giving out as many they do, but they do give out a lot of non-resident tags because they make more money. Well, and then you have a lot of people moving to the state and buying resident tags. Yep. Which like they'll start crunching down on that. They've been, they've been, they have been, Tightening up our regulations more and more because the animals can't handle the pressure. And I, it makes me worried for the animals as much as my own hunting rights. Like, I don't want to see the animals get hunted down to a dangerously low number because people are just flooding in and there's too many tags being given out. And I feel like it's going to come down to the regulations having to be tightened up so much that, like I said, we're going to be the next Colorado where you got to draw to get a tag, even as a resident. And I, I, where where Matt lives, where it's. Yeah. For those of you who are. Matt lives in in Utah. In Utah. Yeah. I can't, I can't draw. It takes me, it takes you a good, three-ish years to draw a mule deer tag, just general rifle season. Um, oh, yeah. Get over-the-counter elk tags and archery tags. That's not an invitation for anyone to come to Utah. But, um, but yeah, for anyone in Idaho, it, it's it's making its way over. Yeah, yeah. But, and it's- God, but God damn it, we need more hunters. Yeah. We need more hunters, damn it. Yep. Fishing game loves selling those non-resident tags, <laughs> but and yeah, I guess. Of, and sickle of sell those coats. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. I just uh, 
I don't know. It does, I will say though, there has been a a wonderful silver lining to, like I said, the social media. There are more people out there that have feelings like we do than I ever realized. Like the few times I've spoken, really spoke outspoken, my like spoke my mind on my page. I have so many people that will message me in my DMs saying like, oh, thank you for saying this. And I'll have conversations with people, like a lot of people who feel the same way. But I never see anybody publicly talk about it. So Mm -hmm. I would love to see more people publicly talk about the ish, like these certain issues. But until then, it's nice to kind of know that those people, there's way more people out there than I realized to start with. It gives me some hope. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, yeah. And I don't know. I didn't look, I didn't watch all your videos and posts and stuff like that, but I definitely, have, I def, <laughs> what's that? I said, don't worry about it. <laughs> no, I watched, I did look at a lot, but I get a lot more as a consequence of this discussion. I've got a lot more complete understanding of you and where you're coming from and that you're like a, like a serious person person with real concerns about the future of this thing that the three of us have gotten so much out of over the years, you know? So it's like, it's really cool to see, um, you know, I, I would invite you to, in addition to conservation, maybe your message should have a little more to do with access to youth access. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, with, with access. Oh, with, with access. access. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, it's like a lot, everybody can make noise about conservation, but it's, it's tougher politically to talk about access. Like how is, how is real tree going to talk about access? They can't because they sell, they buy up working lands, subdivide them and sell them as hunting properties. So they can, they can, same with moss yield, same with. Same with Sika. Like, so it, there's a, it, anybody could say, yeah, we support conservation. That's what we, but when we buy our hunting license, by God, we know we're doing the right thing for conservation. It's like, you, you have to buy the license or you get in trouble if you get caught. So well, anybody can say something about conservation. But when you're actually talking about access and working on access i believe you're working on the big problem that no one's working on and that you're taking a tough stance mm-hmm. i I'll, I'll be honest i don't know a ton about like the lease access issue because like for i've just never personally had to deal with it i will say the only leased ground that like i've ever had to deal with was when i lived in north central oregon and there's a lot of leased ground there mm. for elk hunting. But I'm not particularly against that because like just that specific, like that situation that I had personally dealt with because the lease ground, even though it was big, it was surrounded by pub- public land. And a lot of the elk would push onto the lease ground, which was obviously very annoying, but there were still a lot on the public. It did put pressure around the border of the lease ground, but I do. Yeah, but it's feel all like, connected, man. 
It's all connected. The reason you see so many out-of-state plates, I believe, in your state is because in other states where there's less public land, small groups of well-to-do people have sucked up all the access for themselves. Well, I, I feel and, like... The- and so if you're a hunter in those states, your only other alternative is to try to get a tag and item. Yeah, I, I agree that that public land, the access in other states is a huge issue. And I there's no way that we're going to be able to just get onto these lease properties. Like they're hunting properties. They're not going to just let us go on there. They're there. That's kind of like it is what it is. But I think the thing that we really can do is if we really want more land to hunt, like I said with the, earlier with the organizations, we can either find one or start one that allows us to raise money as much as we can in any way we can to buy land. Like we're going to have to compete. We got to do what they're doing. They're buying land outright and they really do have the right to do that. And whatever they choose to do with it is kind of like that's there. That's up to them. And there's not really anything we can do about it. And they're not doing anything wrong, whether we like it or not. But we can do, we have the same rights. We can do the same exact thing, raise money and buy it and turn it into public access. It's going to be really freaking hard because they have a lot of money, but we got like, that's the game that's played. And if we want to have the same opportunities that they have with these lease grounds, we need to be able to buy it ourselves as well for everybody. And I I agree, more public land would be, that's, that'll be amazing. I, I don't know if it's an issue of rights because um, certainly like you're right. Everyone has the right to, to do that. Um, I think it's an issue of coming to the realization that a lot of these organizations, nonprofits, large hunting companies, um, whether it's Sitka, whether it's Realtree, whether it's what, you know, whatever do not have the general public's hunting public's best interest because they are supporting other companies like whitetail properties that are using their right to buy up this hunting land. And and so part of what we want to do is, yeah, let, you know, let's pool our money together. Let's, let's find organizations that will do that. And on the other side, let's, let's let our voice be known to these other companies that we're not okay with what they're choosing to do. Yeah. They should be working on access for everybody. Not trying to like build a market through access for access through intense advertising and then sell it to this, a select few. Do you know how the Hunters for Access, how the, our model, how it works? I don't know. Okay, so many, many states, including yours, have these little programs, or in some cases, big programs that compensate landowners for allowing public access. Yeah. I can't remember the name of yours. Do you know it? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Um, Ours is called block management. Uh, We have six point some million acres in our sister chapter of Hunters for Access in Kansas. They have 1.2 million acres in their program. We do. So we raise money. Buy get appreciation gifts for farmers and ranchers that allow public access. And they're enrolled in these programs. 
So we say thank you for being enrolled in your state fishing game management agency run program that allows public access. Yeah. So like calf shelters, gift certificates to farm, farm and ranch, home supply stores, uh, fence closers. Then the other thing we do is we orchestrate work days on these properties. So this summer here, we're doing uh, seven work pro projects. We've got volunteers. We go there, fix fence. We clean up shelter belts, you know, whatever. Again, as a thank you gesture. I think that that could be put on steroids if the hunting industry started to take public access and their clients need for access more seriously. You know, they could generate mm -hmm. tons of revenue to say thank you to these people. Yeah. Just like to ranchers and large landowners. Yeah. yeah I, I see that. I There was a similar program in Washington, but they, I think there was a couple of different ones, but they ran them differently. It was like they would pay the landowners to allow access to hunters, but the landowners got to decide if they actually let you on or not. They like had a limit. And oh, it's the same with all these programs. You know, they, they get to set, we want 10 hunters a day or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that the one experience that I had with something like this was, um, it's a property in Eastern Washington trying to get my daughter a turkey and we called the landowner to get permission. And he said no, because he'd already let the max amount of people that he wants on for the season and come to find out it was just his friends. Oh yeah. We have that kind of impropriety here with our block management program too. Yeah. So like I, I get that where it could go wrong in certain Oh, absolutely. But, it's, but, but it goes but right a lot. I mean, there are people that in this state that do the vast majority of their hunting on those lands. So mm -hmm. whereas there's some people that are taking advantage of the system, yeah. still a lot of good comes out of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I I would I would definitely like to do more research into that myself. Cause like I I'm just now learning about I've like kind of heard about it, but I don't know too much about it. So I would be really curious to read more into that and see yeah, what, I could put how you Idaho in touch runs with our, theirs. With I could put you in touch with Phil Luer, the guy in in Idaho that's been helping us. Because uh, there's, I think, I'm trying to remember if we got a podcast. I think we might have an episode lined up with with that program in your state. I, I'll have to look. I'll email you and let you know. Okay. Um, you could even consider coming on with us. But I think, you know, if we could, if sportsmen could band together, and the hunting industry could help us out, and we really try to boost these state programs, that could do something. You know, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what has more potential than that. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, I feel like more access would is always a good thing, but I, I don't think I feel like that's going to be a temporary fix. I feel like more land will be great, and it will help take pressure off the already public areas. But with the growing amount of hunters. It's, it's going to reach another point where it's just going to go back to when yeah, we're going to go back to square one again. That's why my the other part of my platform is we need to do away with hunting promotion. Yeah. Do away I, with hunting TV. Do away with hunting social media. 
I don't think erasing hunting publicly from the world and just pretending like we don't exist is a is a good thing to do because like I, I said I really I truly love hunting and I've said before it's it's one of the very very few things you can do in this life that is as pure as we're meant to be as humans and it's the most it's the most real experience you can have is when you're out there hunting even if you're not killing an animal the act of hunting is so pure in nature and i think that that well how does how, how that does should hiding, be lost oh i don't like well, I, think I, mean, that, I don't know it's it's so new in the grand arc of human history We've only had hunting TV since the 80s. That's like nothing. We only had hunting social media for 12 years. Like I'm always saying, I don't think that I don't think that Mark Zuckerberg saved hunting. I, yeah, but like I think, but there have been there have been pictures of people with their harvest ever since the camera was invented. And those pictures being around has never like been the downfall of hunting, never crashed hunting, hunting magazines growing up. I remember reading them. It didn't cause this massive flood that we've seen all of a sudden in the last 10 years, ever yeah, since my media, opinion. Social yeah, media like, and hunting TV caused that. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't even feel like so much like it's all TV. Cause like I said, I used to watch Jim Shockey growing up and Fred Bear, his like really crazy old hunting videos that are like some next level old stuff. But like, like those are hunts those are that's hunting tv but in my likes in my opinion it's the certain hunting youtube channels not all of them but a lot of them that have caused this massive spike mm. in these new hunters who are becoming hunters as like adults like which there's nothing wrong with that i'm not bashing anyone who's like 40 years old and they want to go hunt for the first time i'm just saying when you start like jump into hunting blindly because you watched your favorite hunting celebrity, whoever the heck that is, go out and have a great experience and talk about step by step how to go out and do it and do it yourself and promote all these products. You just need to have this and this and this. So you can go do it. Goes out there, doesn't know what he's doing. Like we talked about uh disrespectful things on private property maybe didn't even know where he was crossed his property boundary line pissed off the landowner left trash like shot the wrong animal like not saying this is like the stereotype thing i'm just saying that a lot of these issues that are happening are caused because there's a huge influx of people out there that are new that don't know what they're doing or what hunting is really about or what it's really supposed to look like and like i said Social media definitely has its issues, definitely contributes to a lot of these problems. But my main deal is, like I said, with these certain YouTube channels that are just really pushing people to like, hey, you can do this and this and this, the how-to whiteboard, how to get drawn for this, where to go, over tag stuff, great hunting opportunities, literally just telling you everything you need to know without any bit of effort on your part to figure it out like it's making lazy hunters great again like they're not <laughs> working and earning it 
I will have a shirt made that says that and I will walk <laughs> around. <laughs> but really, like my husband and I talk about this and like back in the day, like my husband really, his dad was an amazing man and really put a lot of effort teaching him how to be a hunter. And he can remember his dad laying out this map and like looking at this topo map, figuring out where he's going to go and where the deer are going to like how they're going to move and like have this plan. And he goes out and he scouts in person and he puts all this hard work and time into figuring out and like knocking on doors, getting permission from landowners. Cause he grew up in upstate New York and where there's no public land. So, but like, it was such a, like, it's such a different world then. And nowadays you can just live in Florida and turn on your onyx and scout e-scout and then you can go take a class on how to efficiently use these apps to like find the best place to go you don't even have to be there you can literally just book your trip and be there and be in your hunting spot without any real effort aside from taking a class on how to look at onyx and google earth like i don't know it's just changed a lot and it's it's changed permanently in some aspects like these things are not going to go away it's just what can we do to what can we do to be a good example? What can we do to preserve what rights we still have and opportunities that we can have? They will I hate to say it, but they will probably always slowly dwindle down. There's just that's just kind of the reality. And the best we can do is just do right by the land and the animals and the true hunters out there in any way we can. So. Yeah. I do think there is a way like it can change. I, Matt, I remember you, you put, you uh, made an invitation a long time ago to uh, not post a dead or dying animal on social media for, for a year and see how you feel. Um, and I've known a lot of people who have done that. Um, and that was kind of my introduction to hunt quietly was taking on that challenge. Um, and I, it didn't, no one died from it. Uh, it's not going to kill anyone out there to, to not post on social media, to, to put down your phone and, and, you know, Go, go play with your kids to put down your phone and, and go shoot your bow to put down your phone and go train with your bird dog. Um, if that message gets put out enough, I think that there's enough people out there that will listen to it and start, you know, they, they, they can feel the natural positive consequences that, they, that you will feel from doing that. Um, and it can be just as addicting to drop your phone and never pick it up again as it can be to look at it every other hour or every 30 minutes or so. Oh, I, I agree that it's really, really unhealthy to obsess about social media or literally anything like that in that sense. Um, and you shouldn't, like we kind of talked about this earlier, you shouldn't be going out of your way to do anything for social media. Like... 
Don't go out of your way to think about what you should be posting. Oh, when did I post last? How many likes did I get? That's all so irrelevant to your life. Yeah, but like your bigger point here is, Laura, in my mind, correct me if I'm wrong, is that we're fucked. You know? Social media has changed humanity. Well, no, I mean, like, it's just the downward spiral of hunting is irreversible. I, I I agree that... I mean, I'm just saying that that seems to be what you're saying. Oh, I don't think it's irreversible, but I don't think that we're going to, like, I don't think that it we're going to be able to turn back the clock and make things the way they were before. I don't think that our hunting opportunities are all of a sudden, be, we're going to get more opportunities in the future. It's just doesn't make logical sense to me. Um, I, like I said, I think, I don't think that um, anybody should be hunting for the pure attention of it. I think that we should be putting out a good example of what a hunter looks like. I think that is important for people to see because since there are so many new hunters, they, and I've talked to a lot of new hunters, like mostly women, because mostly women reach out to me, but, um, they say, oh, well, man, like I first got into hunting and I thought so-and-so was like that she was like my idol. And then I, like, as I got further into hunting, kind of got some knowledge under my belt, met some like in-person real life hunters and she didn't like realized that her idol was just like, uh, not that real of a person or maybe doing some things that they thought was not ethical and there aren't very many examples on the platform of that and I think that there needs to be better examples of hunters on the platform like I really do think that's important because if we all just like I said earlier if we all just like go away what example do all of these people have yeah. They have the well, the reason we the reason they're there in the first place is because it's they were presented with examples, right? Like they're like, "Ooh, look at that person, that hunting celebrity," um, like that I learned about watching the Joe Rogan, listening to the Joe Rogan experience or whatever. So, like, oh, now I want to be like. It's only because they were presented with examples that they want to be in it in the first place. It's like yeah, yeah. I I didn't need examples. Like I don't I don't think that. And, and think, you're very. I don't lucky. think there's a need. I don't think there's a need for a hunting celebrity. Like I, I don't. I don't, see them, yeah. I, I don't need somebody to look up to with my hunting. It's no, like and, and, I, I'm and hunting because I enjoy acquiring my own food. And I like that kind of interaction with nature. It does, I don't that, need to like aspire to be like somebody. Matter of yeah. fact, I think of hunting as like this individualistic thing, highly individualistic and private thing. So, like to me, it goes against the whole point that I'm like now modeling someone else that I watched on TV or yeah, YouTube. I, and I agree. Like, but but if you step aside for like a second, and I feel the same way. Like, I don't idolize anybody. I don't think anybody should literally idolize anyone and any aspect of their life, whether it's a hunter or an athlete, a singer, a movie star, literally no one. 
they're all strangers. Like, don't idolize a stranger on the internet. Like, you have no idea. The only person you should ever idolize is, like, maybe your parent. But nobody. Like, I just think that's an outrageous thing to do anyways. I don't think that's a healthy thing to do. But all that aside, you were very fortunate, and, and me to to an extent, to grow up in this. Like, we grew up being hunters and being out there and enjoying it for what it was. And like, so we never needed that. Like we didn't all of a sudden just see something we thought was very like awesome. Like for whatever reason that they wanted, like, Oh, I want that experience. We never were in that position, but these older hunters, like these adult hunters who are just getting into it, or these like 18, 20 year old kids who see their, it's like this hunter celebrity and they go, Ooh, like, I want to be like that. That's because they didn't, they didn't have an upbringing like we did. Like that's a totally different life perspective to have. And that in, and there is almost a silver lining in the fact that they have that mindset because like you, you actually start off earlier, like where, how is my platform different from any other like Insta Hunter, Insta Hunters thing? Because the, you see, like for you, you don't want to see any dead animals, period. So when you look at my page, you see similarities, but there's almost a silver lining to that because you said while speaking to me that you realize we have more in common. Someone who doesn't, who maybe just sees a picture of me with one of my animals and I share my story and they go, Ooh, that's cool. And they follow me. And then they hear me talk about things like this. That's a foot in the door to reach these people. And I think that's really important. And that's kind of an undermined like thing that what I'm doing is I'm just sharing what I'm doing. And then I also speak about these issues that those Insta Hunters, Insta Huntresses aren't talking about. So it's a way to reach the people that need to be reached. Yeah. Matt, any other questions? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think we've touched about just about everything that, that I had in my mind. Well, Lori, anything else you want to impart to uh, the uh, six or eight people that will listen to this? <laughs> um, not, not really. I think the only thing I'd like to say is that. Like, I just hope more people um, have the courage to, if they really are bothered by things that they're seeing in the hunting industry, to speak up and to go out of their way to figure out how they can really make a difference. Whether that means they unfollow that person that they like to see that's not doing right by the hunting community, or they quit supporting these businesses that support those people or they go find a organization that's trying to do right by some way in the hunting community and they help that out. I think I just hope people feel a little bit more incentive to try to make a difference, even if it's just the tiniest bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, what I learned tonight is that, you know, that, you uh, have legitimate concerns and you have a lot invested in emotionally and trying to perpetuate hunting because you have these four kids and some of them have the bug, it sounds like. So yeah. I wish you all the success in the world in 
trying to help our community navigate these incredibly challenging circumstances that we face. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. You betcha. It was you nice to meet good- both you, Matt. <laughs> thank you, Laura. Uh, all right. You guys have a good night. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.